Amen. Praise the Lord. You may go ahead and have a seat. It's wonderful to be gathered together in worship, whether you're out here on the lawn. Look around. What a great little group of people. What a great, uh, what a handsome, summer-looking, picnic-ready group we have here on the lawn. And whether you're here or you're in a car or you are sitting at home or you are in the sanctuary, I know we got some folks that are in there uh, as well. We welcome you here today. This is a special kind of service uh, because it gives us an opportunity to be unified and all together. We don't all fit inside together, and so uh, it's an opportunity for us to be gathered in unity here today. Uh, We're also going to be celebrating some baptisms as well. And so before this service is over, you're going to hear from some people who are following the Lord in baptism today, seven uh, young adults uh, and adults as well. And so we're excited to uh, see what God is doing there. Um, So here's what I'd like to do to begin uh, today's message. How many of you are homeowners? Many of you are homeowners, okay. Amy and I became homeowners in 2003. That means for 20 years, uh, we've had our little home on the north side of town in Park Forest. And one of the joys and sorrows of home ownership is home repairs. Can anybody say amen to that, right? So if you don't do any home repairs, or if you are a professional home repairer, you may not understand this next sequence terribly well. But if you are a weekend warrior like me, an amateur status home repairer, you know how this kind of thing goes. You discover that there is a problem in your house. You begin to assess the job. The second step is you say to your spouse, if you're married, I'm going to run to the store and get some supplies. You return home and realize you forgot three things that you needed, and so you return to the store again. You return home and begin the work now on the job, but realize that one of the parts that you bought was the wrong size, and so you return to the store again. You exchange the part, and you come home and get back to work. This process repeats itself for approximately the next four hours, depending on the size and the scope of the job and how close you actually live to your local store. By the end of the job, you have not only learned how to do a new project, but you know the names, family status, and general disposition of the staff members at the store. Your spouse expresses deep appreciation for your labor and gently encourages you not to quit your day job. Has anybody had that experience? Okay, so I'm among some friends here. The point is this, you have to be properly equipped to do the job. And today we've got a very simple message. Last week we began a series on prayer. Today we've commissioned you already for a community-wide prayer walk. And I love this, the idea that the people of God who are scattered throughout the community Uh, understanding that alone the the mission of Christ would feel incredibly daunting. Together, it would feel some of these things are possible. (coughs) Excuse me, still fighting off a little bit of a cold. But with God and together, it would actually be fruitful. Somebody say amen to that. That is the promise of his presence with us. But I get excited when I think about the people of God scattered throughout this community. And everywhere I look, I see Jesus-loving people almost everywhere I go. My family and I went on Wednesday night to a Spikes game. How many of you have been to a Spikes game this summer? Special thanks to uh, Dean and Janet Ishler for providing us some tickets. That was nice. There was not a huge crowd, but 
In that relatively small crowd of people, we saw over a dozen people from our church alone. (coughs) I saw Greg Wilson, who works there as an usher, catch a mishit foul ball that ricocheted into the stand with cat-like speed and reflexes that would have made any of you impressed, followed by a celebration dance that would make a man half his age quite jealous. I see Jesus loving people all throughout our community. So the challenge is this, how do we bless our community? (coughs) We are inviting the blessing of God over every street, every home, every person. We are asking God to do things like this, to reveal his plans, to renew hearts and lives, to revive his people. Revealing his plans, where's he working? When you're walking, you're not simply saying, I'm going to walk through an area and and just simply pray. I'm listening for the leading of the Holy Spirit, that he might reveal where is God already at work. We're asking God to renew hearts and lives, that is to tear down strongholds, to increase hunger. That's a very simple prayer that we pray very often. We're asking God to revive his people, that he would, (coughs) excuse me, reach a lost world through a revived church. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we read this passage, part of this passage last week. It says in verse 18 and following, all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Excuse me. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. So last week we said a few things. We said if you don't believe in the mission, you will not give yourself sacrificially to the work. And yet also if you walk in the agenda of Christ, you will walk in the authority of Christ as his ambassador. So as we think about that today, I want to actually unpack a very simple thing for us in this area of prayer and mission. Incidentally, when I pray for our church, it is those two words that come back again and again, that we would be a community that understands the importance of prayer. And many of you are already living that out. Many of you have actually built, by God's grace, And he has used you and your prayer life to build a foundation that we are currently standing on. Mission, that we would be a community that sees our community with the eyes of Christ. Today, especially given this setting, it feels appropriate that we would unpack simply one point. (coughs) That is simply this, the kingdom rhythm of fullness and fulfillment. So if you're taking notes, simply write that down. The kingdom rhythm of fullness and fulfillment. One of the simple but powerful realities that we see all throughout Scripture is that the fulfillment of God's mission on earth is preceded by the fullness of his presence among his people. We might even say it this way. Do not try to fulfill the mission without the fullness of his presence. It harkens back to Moses 
who said in Exodus, he said, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't send us. We don't want to go because he understood something so vital about the presence of God. We're not simply just trying to do work for him. (coughs) Excuse me. An ambassador of Christ who walks in authority has the fullness of Christ. What you got? Oh, thanks, sweetie. I love you. Sweetie. Yeah. It's from Haley, so Amy, give Haley a kiss. Just made that awkward. Anybody mind if I just suck on this while I talk to you? That's good. We're among friends. We're among family. Ooh, that's good, too. Lemony. Sweet. So let's talk about that word fullness for a moment. First John, or John 1, 16. I've got several verses I want to reference with you today. It's not important that you look up every single one of these. I want you to understand a biblical theme today. John 1, 16 says, For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. Psalm 16, 11, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Fullness comes from a Greek word, pleroma, which actually means uh, abundance or an overflow, a completeness. You might think of it as a ship that has been filled with sailors and supplies, ammunition, merchandise. In fact, it would be very dangerous to head out on a voyage <coughs> excuse me, with a ship that is not complete, not full. A uh, little shout out right now to our awake. Where's our awake students at? Some of you guys are doing the Narnia study, reading the Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Seems appropriate to give you a little shout out there. I loved that book. I did not love that movie, uh, but I love the book. Fullness. That's the idea. Fullness is the weekend warrior who's doing the project and actually has the tools and the supplies that they need. In the church, fullness is the body of believers filled with the presence and the power and the riches and the fullness of Christ. And when you, when you begin to see it, you can't unsee it in Scripture. Romans says, Paul says to the Romans, <coughs> I know that when I come to you, I come in the full measure of the blessing of Christ. He says to the Ephesians, this beautiful prayer, it is to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all of the fullness of God. In fact, that's, that's how Paul marks maturity, because he says to the Ephesian church, until we, until we all obtain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's Ephesians 4.13. Paul also said, in him, that is Jesus, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, Colossians 1.19. Everything in the kingdom of Christ is established on the fullness fulfillment rhythm. The best teacher that I know in this area is Fred Hartley. I actually texted him this week, and I said, I want to talk about fullness and fulfillment with my church. Can I borrow some of your notes? And he said, have at it, because we have the fullness and the fulfillment. Get your church thinking in this direction. They'll never be the same. The reason that this rhythm is so important is this, and and you know this to be true. You know this from your own experience, you know this from your own reading of God's word, that a lukewarm church, that a self-absorbed church, uh uh-oh, yeah, never going to get the job done. 
right? That God is looking for people that will understand the fullness of his presence and the fulfillment of his mission. And so here's what I want to do. I want to just throw a couple of verses at you. I'm not going to preach a really long time because we're actually going to celebrate today pretty soon some of these baptism folks that are here. But let me share these verses with you that you can see all throughout scripture the importance of fullness and fulfillment. <coughs> the fullness fulfillment rhythm in the Old Testament. In Jeremiah 1, it says, "The Lord put out his hand and he touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. What is that? That's fullness. That's a direct download from God. See now, then he says, I have set you this day over the nations and over kingdoms. That's fulfillment. We see in Joel 2, 28, it shall come to pass afterwards, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. What is that? That's fullness. When the Holy Spirit is poured out, your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions. What is that? It's fulfillment. We see the fullness fulfillment rhythm in the Psalms. I love this. Listen to this, Psalm 51. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. That's fullness. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. That's fulfillment. You see this in the rhythms of Christ who said this of himself. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, Luke 4. Because he has anointed me, that's fullness, to proclaim the good news to the poor. That's fulfillment. Jesus said this about us. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, that's fullness. You will bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Fulfillment. We see this rhythm in the New Testament, probably in the most seminal verse, Acts 1.8. We quote this a lot. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. That is fullness. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's fulfillment. Fred Hartley's not the only person to talk about this. In fact, what I've begin, begun to see in my studies is that great men and women of faith continue to say this same message. 20 years ago, I was listening to Jim Cimbala of the Brooklyn Tabernacle. He's the author of the book Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. How many of you have read that? A handful of you have. And he was talking about this rhythm. He says, you know, we have to learn to wait on the Lord. We don't want to begin to do the mission of Christ without the fullness of his presence. So we wait on the Lord. That's exactly what Jesus said to his disciples. In fact, he said it this way. He said, we've got to wait and then we go. We wait and then we go. And, and then this was helpful to me. I, I am a, a little bit of a young leader. I'm listening to this older man of God, and this is what he said. He said, if all you do is go, and some of us are in that mode, that you're just going and you're serving and you're leading and you're doing all this stuff. If all you do is go, you get shallow because you run out of steam on your own. And then he said, and if all you do is wait, well, you just get kind of weird. <laughs> And we probably all have met somebody. It's like, okay, it's time to get out of the prayer closet and get going just a little bit. But this beautiful rhythm of waiting on the Lord and going, waiting on the Lord and going, that's 20 years ago. 20 hours ago, I'm hearing Rob Reamer, who will be our speaker at the Soul Care Conference, incidentally, that we're hosting in November, saying this, if you don't cultivate the presence of Christ in your life, then when you show up, you have only your authority. And that's not going to get the job done, okay? When you do cultivate the presence of Christ in your private life, that's fullness, by the way, 
then when you show up, Jesus shows up with you. When Jesus is there, Jesus said the kingdom of God is coming. When the kingdom of God is there, things shift, things move, things change. When Jesus shows up, real ministry begins to happen. That is fulfillment. So here's what I'd like to do as we come sort of to the end of this. Simple message today. I want to encourage you in three ways. Number one is to say, how do we live near the fullness of Christ? And this is so beautifully simple that every one of you can take part in this, whether you're five years old or 105 years old. And that is to simply say our prayer lives are intended to be lived in the shadow of God's fullness, nearer and nearer to the place of holiness. Don't attempt the mission. Don't attempt the going and the doing and the serving without bringing it before the Lord in prayer. As you get close to his presence, as you get close to his heart, you live near that fullness. The second one is this. I want to encourage you to live in the fullness. And it's as simple as this. We just have to become mindful of this. That because the fullness of God dwells in Christ, and because we dwell in Christ, we live in the fullness. God wants us to be mindful of living in the fullness. So before you prayer walk, you actually begin to say, God, if I am in the fullness of Christ, then what I am taking with me is not myself, not my ideas and not my best, but it's the very presence of Christ in this community. That is what changes people. Now, we might actually pause on that and say, doesn't it feel like a bit of a stretch to think that somebody's heart or life would be changed by the presence of Christ? And there's a lot of people that I would say, yeah, it seems like a really long shot. And yet I look around and I see hundreds of people that are here on this lawn whose lives represent the miracle of coming to the realization that life for yourself, there you go, life for yourself isn't enough. And that an increased spiritual hunger actually brought you into a relationship with Jesus Christ and his saving work. You have an encounter with him. That's already happened. And God can do it again. We pray that he will. So we live in the fullness. And then finally, we live out of the fullness. God intends for us to continually draw from the fullness of Christ so that we can minister out of his fullness. We receive from him. Friends, as your prayer life is developing and deepening, learn how to pray prayers to receive from him. What is it that you need today? You need wisdom. You need physical strength. You need, you need open opportunities. You need divine appointments. You need, what do we need from him? So that, that, that aspect of my prayer life has radically shifted, especially in the last five years. I start almost every day simply saying to him, God, you know my needs better than I do. So I come to you as the giver of those things. I need to receive. I need to live out of that fullness if I'm going to do anything of kingdom value. Here's a super simple prayer that we could sum up this whole this whole message down to and it's like this and i want to encourage you to write the heart of this down if you don't write it down verbatim if you're watching online we actually have this on the screen for you here's the prayer loving father do everything you need to do in me so that you can do everything you want to do through me that's it it's like that's simple God, would you do everything that you want to do in me 
That's a fullness prayer. So that you could do everything you want to do through me. As we conclude this, and we're going to get our baptism folks up here in just a few minutes to share. I would have preached longer at you, but I probably would have been coughing too much, and so it actually works out just fine. Um, Let me encourage you with these couple of thoughts. This is my sort of concluding thought for you. When I think through the grid of planting, of tending, and of harvesting, something happened last at the end of last year I was talking with our elder board about different things that we had done as a church, and we were highlighting some of the things that stood out to us. What were the things that were meaningful in each quarter, and we were looking at a list of events and activities, the ministries, different things like that, and, and so in the first quarter, one of the things that we highlighted was that we had had a baptism service that was very special. The Lord really was moving in some sweet ways, and in the second, second quarter, also, we had a baptism service, a different setting. Uh, but God was moving in some sweet ways. The third quarter, we also had a baptism service, and in the fourth quarter, we did as well. And so it was the first time I realized, I I said to our our group, I said, you guys realize we had a baptism service in every quarter last year. Uh, That hasn't really been our norm. And yet, it represents lives that are being changed and people that are being impacted, decisions that are being made for Christ. So when we began to reflect on that, that sort of the the fullness of some of that mission that God wants to do, he has a lot more that he wants to do, it it dawned on us that, you know, we've been spending a lot of this, that last year, we had been praying. We had been asking. So we have already been seeding the ground, if you will. Now is the time for us to be tending, to get out the weeds and to be able to say even in our own hearts and lives where am I not in alignment with the work of God where am I missing out on prayer and mission and those different kind of things because the harvest is ultimately what Jesus said we need to pray for and pray for workers that would go to the harvest God has incredible things just I, I want you to take just one moment right now just look around look around this lawn look around this lawn go ahead don't look at me look around the lawn there you go. Look, look, stare at somebody until they are uncomfortable and tell you this. Uh, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. The question that we are asking is, what is the potential for normal people like us who want to take a faith-filled risk and believe God for kingdom fulfillment even through us? The work is already happening. God is already stirring. The question is, are you on board and you want to be a part of it? And I hope your heart is to say yes. I want to pray for you, and then Seth is going to come up and introduce our folks that are getting baptized today. And uh, let's be, can we be celebratory? Let's not be solemn. Seth, make sure they're not solemn when we baptize people today. Okay, good. Good. We don't like solemn baptism. This is, the angels are rejoicing. We can rejoice as well. Uh, Would you stand uh, with me real quick? I want to just pray over you a blessing and... um, We'll get into our uh, baptism time here in just a few moments. Jesus, we're grateful. We are thankful for the work that you desire to do. And I'm going to simply just pray this over us. We'll keep it super simple for you. This is a prayer you can repeat. Take to your prayer closet as well. Loving Father, do everything you need to do in me so that you can do everything you want to do through me. I want you to actually say those words this morning. Loving Father, Do everything you need to do in me so that you can do everything you want to do through me. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Amen. Amen. God, I believe that you are uh, meeting some people here today that there might even be some awakening. Maybe there's some folks that say, I've been living that way, and and praise the Lord for that. But there might be some that are stepping into that relationship with you and saying, you know, I really want to be working out of this fullness fulfillment model. God has more for you than you possibly uh, could imagine as you follow hard after him. So, Lord, would you motivate and would you mobilize your people? Uh, We pray for a great harvest. And we're going to celebrate some of that harvest even today. In the strong name of Jesus, we pray. All God's people said, amen.